Dear Lord, thank you for bringing everyone here safely tonight and just giving us this opportunity just to gather here and learn more about your word and worship, Lord. And be with Pastor Jesse and give him the words to speak tonight, Lord, and just uh, help us all just to take something out of this message with, uh, with us throughout the rest of the week. And just pray. Amen. Amen. All right. If you don't have one, grab a Bible. Mr. Corey has got them in the back ready to go for you tonight. Y'all having a good week so far? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I want to ask you, did anybody notice in those last, so, those two songs we just sang, did you notice kind of a theme in those two songs? Yes? No? Maybe? Just saying? Max, you're too busy eating. You didn't notice anything. All right? <laughs> let, me, let me read some of these words to you. Listen to this. That first song in tenderness, the line goes like this. It says, he died for me while I was sinning, needy and poor and blind. He whispered to assure me, I've found thee. Thou art mine. And then in Reckless Love, this line reads, When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. I want to encourage you sometimes when you're singing songs in church, think about the words that you were singing. Because it's very easy to just see what's on the screen and just go through the motions and let the words come out of your mouth. But sometimes I recommend you actually stop and look at those words because those words that we sang tonight, those songs spoke about the love of God. A God that will seek you out. A God that comes after you. A God that, that sent his son Jesus to pay the ultimate sacrifice to rescue you and I from our most desperate situation. Listen to those words again. He died for me while I was sinning. Needy and poor and blind. He whispered to assure me, I found thee, thou art mine. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You've been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. That's what Jesus Christ does. He comes to us in our most desperate circumstance, our most desperate situation, and he meets us right there where we are when we can't do anything about what's going on. And he says, I'm here, and I'm here for you. It matters that we pay attention to the words that we're singing because what we see in these words here is exactly what we see as we step into this last part of Daniel chapter 3 tonight. We see God coming into a situation that is absolutely 100% hopeless. There's nothing that these young men that we left last week standing before a king in his rage can do to help themselves. But we're going to see God steps in because that's what God does every single time. Maybe not always the way we want him to, but he is there every single time. So the book of Daniel, chapter 3, who wrote it? Daniel, okay. Let's go through the questions. When do we believe it was written? Okay, somewhere around the 6th century. Who came in and conquered the Israelite nation? The Babylonians. What was their king's name? Can anybody spell it? Oh, hold on, hold on. Do it. You're on the right track. AR, you were so close. 
Hey, y'all give it up for Brandon for trying it anyway. All right. So close, man. How old do we believe these guys were when they were taken into captivity? 15, 16 years old. So now about three years later, they would be 18, 19 years old. Not quite 20 yet, but somewhere around there. Okay. And what's, what's the main theme we keep seeing in this book? God is sovereign. God is in control. No matter what is happening, good or bad, God is in control, even when it doesn't make any sense to us. And we see that happening tonight. So we're going to stand and we're going to read Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 through 30. Where's Miss Michaela? Michaela's going to come up here and read for us tonight. Y'all give it up for Miss Michaela. That was Micah, wasn't it? I know that, y'all. She is on wireless mic number two. You ready? Follow along with us, guys. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered his furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in his haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said, King, true, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, and the king's counselors, gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of the fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, any nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you that we can be here, Lord. Thank you that we can spend time in your word. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to walk out of here knowing what it is you want us to know, God, but not just having knowledge, God, but being changed because we've been with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sorry I interrupted you. I can clap for Michaela. She did a good job. I don't know how many times she had, I didn't even count how many times she had to go through and read Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That would be why VeggieTales just called them Rackshack and Benny, because it's a whole lot easier to do it that way, but we're not going to do that. So, um, as we step into this, let me start with the question that I ended with last week, and you don't have to answer this out loud, I don't want you to, but 
did you follow God even if this week? Now, we kind of talked about that last week. You had these three guys who stood before this, this pagan king, this, this man that did not worship the one true God, and, and they had the opportunity to either worship this big, over 90-foot idol that he created when they heard the music play, or they had the opportunity to tell him, no, we're not going to do that. And we saw those guys, they decided they weren't going to worship that idol. They decided that it didn't matter if it cost them their, their reputation, their position, their influence, even their lives. They were going to remain true to the one true God. And that's the question I pose to you. Are you willing to do that? No matter what happens, no matter what consequence you may face, are you willing to follow God even if? That's a question that we have to ask ourselves every single day. These guys, we see as they walk through it, they resolve that they were not going to follow anybody but God. In fact, we even see that in the last part of the chapter 3 that we read last week, verses 17 and 18, we saw that those three guys, the king called them in and said, hey, is it true you're not going to bow? And when he did, they looked at him and they said, no, we're not going to because we know that God's going to deliver us. But if he doesn't, even if we're still not going to bow. In fact, look at what happened there in the last two verses. Chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. It says, If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O God, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Even if you take our lives, we will not worship anybody but God. So let's look and see how that played out for him. Starting in verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Have you ever seen your parents do this? Have you ever seen them like they got mad, and all of a sudden their face, they look like a totally different person? It's scary, isn't it? Now some of you are in the back of the room going, mm -hmm, yeah, exactly. It's scary. So these guys... They're in front of the king, kind of like your parents. I mean, king can take them out anytime he wants to. Your parents, they can take you out too. Just remember that, okay? So the king gets mad, and he says here in the second part of verse 19, he says, he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. So now, just to give you a picture here, some scholars believe that you've got this big, over 90-foot golden statue that Nebuchadnezzar has created for everybody to come and bow down and worship. Some scholars believe that this, this furnace was a furnace that was actually out there near the statue. It was one that they had used to melt the ore to get it hot enough to be able to form it. We don't know if that's correct or not, but that's what some people believe. But if that's the case, then you've got this big image where everybody's worshiping, and not too far away, you've got this really hot fire. So everybody's there to watch. If that's really what happened, then all of these people are seeing this. This is not just a private thing going on here. And it says in verse 20, he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Do you think they're in trouble? Do you think? I mean, the, the, the king has bound them, the king has taken them, and his plan is to burn them alive. 
It's interesting here because it, it, it mentions, and I, I'm, not, I'm not sure why it mentioned this, but it says they had their hats on, they had their tunics on, they had their cloaks on. Basically, everything that could catch fire, they were put into the fire with. It's almost, and this is my speculation, it's almost like the king wanted them to have every opportunity to just go up in flames by sending them in there with all of that stuff and binding them. His goal was to literally burn these guys alive by getting this fire as hot as possible. Have you ever been next to a fire that's so hot you had to back up? Anybody here like bonfires? I love bonfires. When we used to live in Sarasota, something we did with our youth group, we've never done it here. Maybe we should consider, no, don't consider this. <laughs> well, the story is why we don't do this. Um, we used to do a Christmas tree bonfire every January, which is where we would have everybody in the church when Christmas was over, hey, bring us your dead pine needle falling off the tree, rotten wood to the church, and we're going to light it on fire. So we did this every single year, and one year, uh, we had this big cinder block ring where we would do this. And one year, there was a little bit of time period during the night when we were doing this bonfire that two things happened. Number one, some of our older high school guys, it's always the older high school guys, thought it would be hilarious to tie firecrackers to the Christmas trees when nobody was looking. So for about five trees in a row, every time one got thrown in there, pop, 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 and everybody's scared and running. But then another time when my designated adult, I won't say any names because this is recorded, was not watching the fire. And again, our high school guys took eight of those Christmas trees and threw them all on the fire at one time. The flame was probably as high as this ceiling. In fact, we actually had one neighbor call the fire department because they thought we were burning down the property. But here was the crazy thing. We had, now, I'm not casting any like stereotypes or anything here, but we had some middle schoolers who were dead set on having s'mores. <laughs> so you've got this cinder block ring around this fire that is raging up into the sky. And would they back up? No, they would not back up. So here's what they did. They got down on the ground, behind the cinder block, put their arm down, and lifted the marshmallow up over the block, just like that. And every time they'd look up the peak, they'd go, and put their head back down because it was so, I mean, you could feel your eyes drying out and your face getting red. It was that hot. That was just from a couple Christmas trees. You're talking about a fire that was probably used to melt gold. And the king has now ordered that that fire be heated up seven times what it already was. These guys, they don't stand a chance. Because that's only a small fraction of what they would have faced here in this furnace. In fact, it says it was so hot that the guys who brought these three young men down to put them in the furnace, it says they died there. That's what the king ordered. That's how angry he was. That's how mad and, and disrespected he felt because they would not bow before the idol that they had set up or that he had set up. And there's no way for them to get out. Remember, they're in their cloaks, they're in their tunics, they're in their hats, and they're bound by ropes. He has absolutely no plan for them to survive this event. Had no hope, no chance of survival, no way of escape. But that's where God meets us. That's where God shows up 
when we are desperate, when we are without hope, that is when we see God work a lot of times. And that's exactly what we see here. Look at verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. So Nebuchadnezzar is there and he's watching this. And as he's watching this, he turns around to his counselors and goes, hey, didn't we put three guys in there? Like, well, yeah, king. Well, somebody messed up because there's a fourth guy in there right now. And I'm watching all four of these guys. They're walking around. They're not bound. They're not burned because the other guys died already. Something's going on. He said, this fourth guy, he looks like a son of the gods. This is incredible here. Because with the king's own eyes, he says something is happening here that shouldn't be happening. You've got three men that went out. This is something that's impossible. Now, scholars debate about who that fourth person was. Some believe it was an angel, that God sent an angel to protect those young men. Others believe it was what we would call a Christophany. Have y'all heard that word before? Here's what Christophany is. I'm going to teach you something here. Christophany in scripture is different times where people believe that Jesus showed up physically before his incarnation, before he was actually born as a child, that he showed up in the human physical world before he experienced a physical birth. There are some people that believe this is one of those instances that he miraculously showed up here in, in the middle of this fire and took care of these guys. Now, we can't know that for sure. I mean, I, I like to believe, yeah, that's exactly what that is. That's where Christ showed up. But whichever way you go, something incredible has happened here. God has stepped into the midst of their most desperate situation and he's doing something to help them. And then it says in verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, which makes us think it probably wasn't quite so hot anymore if he can get that close. And he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of these men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire came upon them. So Nebuchadnezzar goes there, he calls them out, but look how he does it. He doesn't just say, hey, you three guys come out here. He says, come out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. You've got a king who has gone from demanding that they worship this big old false idol that he has set up to acknowledging the God that they serve. Three men went in, three men came out, but there was a fourth one in there somewhere. And there's no explanation for what happened here. And the amazing thing is that there's absolutely no evidence that they had been anywhere near a fire. Anybody in here ever been burned before? I have. I got, I got lame story. I got burned by an iron not too long ago. Makes a pretty cool scar, but it was an iron. It was stupid. But fire hurts. Now, there was a time 
Again, I like fires. I play with them a lot. It's gotten me in trouble in the past. I decided more than once to burn some yard debris. And if you know anything about yard debris, when it's a little bit wet, it doesn't like to light. So what's the most natural thing you would put on it? Gas! That's exactly right. My people. (laughs) It's stupid. Don't do it, okay? I did this one time. I took a cup of gas. Do what you do. You throw it on the fire. Now, if you're smart, I wasn't, you're going to wait and you're going to let it soak in for a little while, okay? If you're impatient, I was, you're going to light it as it's wet. You're going to stand back a little bit, but what sound does it make when you light that fire? Yeah, that's what sound you make when you run from that fire. It makes that sound. Well, I did this one day in my backyard, and I know how hot that fire was, again, because of how close I was standing. I felt the heat on my face because I had to feel and make sure my eyebrows were still there, and the hair on my arm, it was my right arm, was, have you ever had like a stuffed animal that you put in the dryer, and when it came out, all the little fabrics were like twisted up and hard? That's what happened to my arm hair because I was so close to that fire. The, hand, the hair on my knuckles on my hand, gone. Absolutely, completely gone. Because I got too close. Because you can't be near a fire without feeling the effects of that fire. You can't be near a campfire or any kind of fire and not smell like smoke. One of the best smells in the world, by the way. But you can't do it. These guys, hey, these guys right here, nothing. There's nothing singed. Remember, their tunic, their cloak, and their hat, and ropes. And there's no evidence that they've been anywhere near the fire. It says their hair wasn't burned. It says they don't even smell like they've been in the fire. Talk about God showing up. God showing up in an impossible situation, in a situation where they had absolutely no hope of survival. God showed up and God took care of them. And look at how Nebuchadnezzar responds in verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Now let me stop there for a second. Look at the words that the king has just used. Blessed be these three men, blessed be the God of these three men, excuse me, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him because they ignored what the king told them. You need to go back a couple verses and in verse 15, this is what King Nebuchadnezzar said. If you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? 15 verses earlier, same situation. He said, if you guys don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going to kill you. And there is no God that can save you. And yet right here, 
He says, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. Look at the turnaround. Look at the change here. And then he goes on and and he keeps talking to these guys. He says, therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. In other words, they're going to be wiped out. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way than the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. He's gone from there's no God that can save you to there's only one God that could have saved you. Now, Notice his language here, though. He references God as their God. He doesn't say it's his God. He has seen what God has done. He has confessed God's power, but that doesn't mean he's accepted God as the one true God in his own life. Maybe he did, but Scripture's not clear on that. But what we do see is that he acknowledges the power of God. He acknowledges what God has done. And you need to understand that's important because it is possible to acknowledge God and the power that God has and that he exists in your life without actually knowing God. You can come to church your entire life. You can be around this Bible thing, this Jesus thing, and you can hear about God. Scripture tells us even the demons believe in God and they tremble. You can know God, who he is, without having a relationship with God. That's a big difference. And that matters because when we talk about God, we're not talking about, hey, you need to know who Scripture says he is just so you have knowledge. We're talking about you need to know who Scripture says he is so that you can see him work in your life. So that you can talk with him, so that you can hear from him, so that you can interact with him, so that you can serve him and follow him with everything you have, so that you can love him even if. These three young men here, they, they trusted God in their most desperate moment, and God showed up in a big way. But you need to understand the distinction there. They didn't trust that God was going to come do exactly what they wanted to do. They just trusted God. They said, we're going to follow God even if. We think he's going to show up. And lo and behold, he does. But they said, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't rescue us from this situation, we're still going to follow God. And God showed up because that is what he does. Because God can be trusted to be there when no one else in your life shows up. God can be trusted to be there when you're trapped in your fear and your uncertainty, when you doubt that God even exists, much less that he cares about you or even loves you. When all you feel is anxiety or depression and everything else seems hopeless, God is there because God is always there. And sometimes he comes to you in that most desperate situation and he simply holds you while the world feels like it's collapsing around you. But other times, like for these young men, he shows up and he does something amazing. That is exactly what we sang about in those first two songs tonight. He died for me while I was sinning. Needy and poor 
and blind. He whispered to assure me, I found thee, thou art mine. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. And you have been so, so kind to me. Jesus Christ died on his cross to rescue you from the most hopeless thing you will ever face. And that's the depth of your own sin. The things that leave you hopeless when nobody's around. The things that cause you fear and anxiety that nobody else knows about and you hope they never see it. Those come from our sin. Those come from pursuing everything that we think will make us whole and make us happy. And yet all we do is find ourselves in that dark place again and again and again. And Jesus Christ stepped into our most hopeless situation, our most desperate time in our life, and said, I love you. I'm here for you. And I'm going to do what you can't. I'm going to pay the price that God demands for your sin. I'm going to give my life. And that's exactly what he did. And you and I have the opportunity to have a relationship with him tonight. To not continue to face those moments where you feel hopeless and desperate, wondering does God even exist? He does. And he's already tried to reach out to you. Because his son has already given his life for you on a cross. And the wonderful, amazing thing is that three days later, he took it back up. And he offers every single one of us tonight hope. He offers us the opportunity to know him, to know that he cares, to know that he loves, to know that there's more than the things that we're chasing. He gives us the opportunity to be able to say, yes, I will follow God even if because that's who God is. If you're here tonight and you feel like that, desperate, hopeless, fearful, all of those things, maybe it's time for you to cry out to God. They trusted God was gonna take care of them in their deepest, darkest situation. God is the only one that can take care of you in that situation. He is the only one that can rescue you from your sin. And it's as simple as saying, God, I'm a sinner. I can't forgive myself, but I know Jesus cried on, died on the cross for me. I ask him to forgive me and I want to follow him with my life. Use your own words. They're not magic. Scripture says if you believe it in your heart and confess it within your mouth, you will be saved. You have that opportunity tonight. And when we stand, when we start to sing, if you are ready to take that step tonight, do it right where you are. But then don't stay there. Come tell me or come tell one of the other adults in the room. Let us celebrate with you. Let us celebrate what God is doing in your life. That's what we do with baptism every single week. When we get to do that, we are celebrating the fact that someone has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Julia did it just a couple weeks ago. We've got two ladies in here, Isla, Hunter. They're both gonna get baptized this coming Sunday because we're gonna celebrate what God has done in their life. And we wanna do that with you. Maybe you're here and you just need somebody to pray with you, pray for you. That's what those orange cards are for. Write down your prayer request on that card, drop it in this basket, and then take a moment and just talk to God. And know 
that one of the adults in this room is going to be praying for you after you turn that card in because they love you. Not because you're great or you're awesome. You are, but they love you because God loves you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can come together, God, that we can spend time in your word, God, that we can, God, just that we can be here. And God, I pray for every single person in this room. God, I pray that you will help each one of us to know, God, that you are there. You are there when we can't see you. You are there when we can't feel you. Because, God, you are always there. And God, I pray if there's anybody in here tonight that needs to cry out to you, God, save me. God, save me from my sin. God, leave them no other option but to do that tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.